I'm Kim Singletary. And I'm Rich Collins with Biz New Orleans Magazine. Welcome to Biz Talks. Each week, we reach beyond the pages of Biz New Orleans Magazine to bring you in-depth conversations with members of the business community. From the names everyone knows to the ones destined to make their mark, we'll dive into the top issues, best practices, successes, and failures of every industry that calls Southeast Louisiana home. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. On today's episode, we're talking to University of Holy Cross President Dr. Stanton McNeely. Originally founded in 1916 by the Marianites of Holy Cross, this private Catholic school moved to its current Algiers location in 1960. Under McNeely's leadership since 2019, the school's rankings are on the rise and several new programs are attracting attention. Dr. McNeely, welcome to the podcast. Rich, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So you're the University of Holy Cross president, but you're also a graduate and a former professor. Uh, How did your connection to this school begin? Well, you mentioned about the move in 1960. I'm 48. I was born in the early 70s and 73. And ever since then, I've really been connected with this place. Uh, It's been great. My aunt was a Marianite nun. And and this was for the longest time, mostly known as Our Lady of Holy Cross Convent since that move in 1960. The back part being the college. Well, my brothers and sisters, I'm the oldest of five, and uh, my brothers and sisters would often visit the Marianites. Um, and, and of course, when you visit nuns, you don't just visit and have a good time. The nuns teach you a few things about responsibility and importance <laughs> of work in addition to faith. And, and so uh, I did everything from uh, get the mail and distribute it through the convent all the way to serving uh, and, and washing dishes in, in the dining room for the sisters and, and kept doing that with my brothers and sisters. But of course, they were wonderful aunts in so many ways, family. And they taught me a lot about the, the, the faith and values and being a prophetic presence in an ever-changing world. And, and of course, you know, into my adult life, like you mentioned, being an undergraduate degree holder from the university, my degree is from here in accounting. Um, and then also uh, now in this role, um, serving as president of the university, I couldn't be more blessed to give back to those sisters um, and give and put forward for the University of Holy Cross now as we enter the midpoint of the 21st century, really, you know, the, the first 20 years are really the end of the 20th century. And now we're in 2021, going in 2022. I, I think this is this is a great opportunity for us to be a shining light in, in that ever-changing world and for the University of Holy Cross to lead the way. Wow, it sounds like the school really raised you. Yeah. <laughs> sure did. And uh, and so, you know, it's something where I, I, I saw the growth of the college, now the university through my lifespan. And and in many ways, we've been the little engine that could. Right. Um, and, and it's always, you know, trying to get the word out, doing great things, awesome things in, in lifting people up through what we do in education. Most of our students are first generation, transforming them to be, you know, not only productive citizens through what we do, but also people who make a difference in the world, lift their families, their communities up. And I I just wanted to be well-known, well-recognized for the excellence we've been doing for decades. And and so we're we're heading there for sure, definitely. Okay, so the school has changed a lot over the last century. Uh, what, What would you say is the University of Holy Cross strength or strengths now? I think the key areas of, of strength are, are ones we've always been building upon. Um, for example, um, we, we have been a leader in, in going back to the Marionites in the caring professions. We started as a teacher education institute to provide the teacher workforce for Greater New Orleans K-12 schools. Well, that has continued to this day, 105 years later. I mean, we provide the best teachers out there. 
and and it's building on that Marionite heart and mind to be the the most knowledgeable teacher about the students that they're teaching in those K-12 classrooms. And that has grown into educational leadership and school counseling, which is now has become mental health counseling that has absolutely blossomed and especially been in need during the pandemic, Rich. It's, it's been great that we've been able to be a center of excellence in counseling and now exponentially share it um, and our resources with providing the, the need for mental health counseling services. So we're training and educating the best counselors out there and providing top quality counseling services in the community, especially through telemental health counseling. Now we're not just on the West Bank like we were pre-pandemic in our counseling center on campus. We're now statewide. We have clients from Shreveport to Lake Charles to Monroe to Baton Rouge Fayette. And so um, with telemental health, they're having access to UAC master's students in counseling who in turn are getting their experience and education and internships so they can take the licensure exam. And um, of course, in other nursing and health sciences, we're well-known, we've been uh, well-recognized and and constantly at the top of the state nursing rankings. We now have been recognized by US News and World Report as one of nationally as one of the best nursing programs in the United States. And all the while, um, that excellence continues throughout other curricula. Like I said, I'm a accounting grad. I'm a business grad. The working adult has, has been, um, whether that person is 18 or, or 58 or 88, they're usually working as they go through school with us. And, and so, you know, that, that working adult, regardless of program, is, is someone that is really the mission in meeting the market for Holy Cross. And, and so we still try to remain accessible. In fact, we do that. Um, we were just recognized by Newsweek magazine as one of the top 30 most affordable private colleges in the United States. And, and, and so, you know, to, to, to really flip the script on, on the traditional legacy perspectives and, and, and for those who've been around New Orleans for a long time, you know, oh, it's over there on the West Bank. Oh, it's little you know, size and, and, and geography are, are not determinants of quality. And, right. and, and, and that's what we provide is top quality, accessible education in a way that really transforms. So you you mentioned uh, a lot of your students are working while they're in school. Can you give me a, a sense of what is the prototypical Holy Cross student? Are they from here? Are they are they or is it from all over the place? Uh, what you know? How does it differ from say somebody who's at LSU or at you know uh, Loyola? Sure, I'll, I'll give you a prime example. Um, her name is Caitlin Collins. Um, she is a, a, a junior in nursing here at the university. Um, she's 18 years, well, sorry, she came in as a freshman. She's working at Tony Mandina's restaurant on the West Bank, going through our nursing program. And um, she just was awarded one of the Auctioneer Scholars um, scholarships, um, you know, and that provides an opportunity to go right into the Great New Orleans healthcare workforce. And and that's the thing is, is that what you see are mostly students from the Great New Orleans region, but that's starting to change too. And I want to talk a lot about that not just with residentiality, but with distance education for our graduate programs. But um, she represents, regardless of age, that person balancing, making a better life through work, education at Holy Cross, and a commitment to excellence in whatever course or degree program they're studying. And then they're in return, giving a lift to the economy in greater New Orleans and quality of life and quality of care and, and raising a family here. And Caitlin's going to do that. And so, you know, when we talk about her as a student, as a waitress, as a nurse, as, a, as an Oxford nurse scholar, you know, then you're looking at five years from now, she, she's going to be a nurse floor leader, I'm sure. 
at a hospital. And, and you know, that's a continual, continuous cycle. And she's going to be making top quality earnings in an area that we desperately need a top quality workforce. All the while, she's a Holy Cross nurse, which means that she has compassionate care. It's not just the training. Right. It's the whole formation. And right. that's the beauty of what we do. Well, it sounds like, yeah, if you're, if you're helping create nurses, uh, that can only be a good thing right now in this current climate. You know, I was talking to a doctor yesterday who said his, the amount of surgeries he's doing right now is about 40% of what he would have been doing pre-pandemic because of just there's a shortage of nurses, shortage of techs. So, right, the more, the more that you can create uh, as quickly as you can make them, I think, is, is good for the economy. Absolutely. And that's across the other programs, too. So you had asked about where our students come from. Um, for the longest, we were commuter college, commuter university, and, and that continues. The vast majority of our students are from the local area driving to campus. But when I came in as president, I came in right before the pandemic. And, and knowing, like you said, knowing this place since the very beginning, since I was a child, I also knew the opportunities. I've been studying the opportunities, been studying higher education across the United States, also matching it to our purpose and mission as the Marionites want us. And one of the things that we wanted to do when we launched pre-pandemic that has blossomed through the pandemic is an online option in our graduate programs, particularly in counseling, business, and education. And, and so where geography was an inhibitor, right? That river um, sometimes meant the working adult couldn't go to a graduate class with us. Well, we just flipped the script on that right. by using 21st century technology. And now we have students from Georgia to California, from Chicago, um, all the way to Metairie, <laughs> um, you know, taking <laughs> classes um, in, a, in our uh, graduate programs and, and our enrollment in our PhD in counseling has tripled since 2019. Wow. And, uh, and that, that is because geography is no longer a factor and the top quality, I mean, we're nationally accredited and ranked in counseling. And, and that's happening now, of course, in business and in education as well. Well, I think you uh, mentioned to me before we started talking on the air that this is your two-year anniversary day, is that right, of taking over as president? Yeah, of, uh, yeah. of my inauguration. I, I was inaugurated two years ago today, and what a two years it's been, I tell right, you. I'll say, so happy anniversary. <laughs> and then also, I mean, I, it's absolutely unreal that you took the helm right as the world changed. And it sounds like, you know, for you, it's not just, it's not just hardship. There's been some innovations that have, that have arisen from this terrible situation. So, we, I, how different is your experience and, and where the school is now? Uh, how different is it now versus what would have been like if there had been no pandemic? <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's one of those things, Rich, where I, I think of the phrase, never waste a good disruption, right? Yeah, right. Um, you know, in terms of moving an organization forward and and and, and flipping the script. I, I had the pleasure of, of my dissertations about Dr. Norman Francis, but not just his leadership of Xavier or, or his transformational impact on society as a pioneer in, in civil rights. Um, particularly, my, my focus is on his leadership of Xavier University through the time of Katrina and how he used, as, as disruptive as that, that devastation was with Katrina, to flip the script and, and really move the plan for Xavier and accelerate it with the strategic initiatives that he had in place. And, and that's what we're doing here. Um, of course, that means you pivot, you, you shift, you do all the buzzwords we've been hearing, but you definitely remain core to your planning and see where you could siphon in through the disruption, through the pandemic, the opportunities to do so. I'll give you an example in business. In, in business, we had a longstanding program going back, well, for about uh, 10 years now for the working adult um, 
to help companies and the, the employees there get their bachelor's degree in accelerated business program. And what we found was that um, they, they basically, as much as we had this program, not only were we experiencing fluctuations in enrollment with it, but it wasn't as accessible from a price point perspective or with digital technology as we've experienced that change in the past 10 years. So that like the, um, like the counseling initiative, for business, the undergraduate accelerated business program, we lowered the price point to match the market. That and a, a digital technology, along with what we did, the same steps in our master of science in management online. Now, now companies are referring their employees to us for those programs because we've, we've made it that way, made it accessible. Of course, through the pandemic and the hurricane, you know, a, a lot of people were away from their homes, um, even though they were stuck in their homes with the pandemic, they're away from their homes with Hurricane Ida. Well, they still needed to access the internet and digital technology to be productive employees for many companies. Many of those are our business students. And so now the interruption of the hurricane doesn't do what would have happened two years ago before all this, um, where you would have the pandemic and hurricane and you couldn't go to class, right. no longer the case. So the companies are getting continuity of productivity. We're getting continuity of student learning of those employees who are our students. Can you tell me about your new TOPS program? So this goes back to, to one of the things, I was director of admissions here in the 90s and, uh, and TOPS was introduced. And, and even though we had the lowest price point of any private university in, in Louisiana, we also recognize that the students who come or want to come to Holy Cross, you know, cost of attendance is a big concern. And, and, and so, uh, I've been keeping this in my back pocket for about 20 years, <laughs> and and uh, and like you said, um, I, it, it's something now serving in this role. Um, I'm I'm able to do it and execute as president, and so um, we accept tops. Not a lot of people know that private universities accept tops to provide the opportunity for that person to stay in Louisiana as a student, regardless of where they go to school. It, it follow, the tops follows the student; it doesn't go to the school. But what's important here is for them to choose the best fit, choose the best fit for them as a student to succeed as a bachelor's degree student is to show the good faith commitment in the purpose of TOPS, right? To give that lift to that student who's meeting the criteria for that scholarship, that you can come to Holy Cross and, and we're gonna help you and we're gonna be with you. And so at the base level for a student with a 20 ACT and a 2.5 GPA, TOPS awards $5,718 a year. We're gonna double that throughout the duration of their degree program. And that's a big deal because the average cost of attendance here at Holy Cross is about $13,500 a year. So by doubling tops, and that's even before other financial aid are applied, we've just shaken off about 10,000, uh, well, more like 12,000 of it. So it's almost taking care of all the tuition and fees. And, right. and we're offering in addition to that, um, the residence hall occupancy with a $1,500 scholarship for their first semester. And that's the thing that we really want to make sure folks are aware of is in addition to doubling the tops, which is tremendous, we're offering a scholarship to live on campus in our new 21st century residence hall that opened in 2018. If you haven't seen it, if you haven't been to campus, check it out. I'd give you a tour. This is, this is five stars. And uh, what, what students want now of colleges and universities, their own private bedroom, their own personal bathroom, you know, maybe if sharing a room, it's, it's the, the common area of, of, with four other students, but it's, it's not our parents or our, even our generation re <laughs> residence hall. It's, it's something that's me to meet what, what these students are looking for today. That sounds ideal. My, my current college freshman, he, he's in a triple and one of the three uh, kids in the triple doesn't 
won't talk to anyone else. Oh, <laughs> just <my>. stares. <laughs> no, I, I'm sure my son would love the idea of, of having a you know shared common area in a private bedroom. Uh, but um, well, that sounds great. So you, I know that that building is part of your you know the shift away from just being commuter school to being a place to being a community. Uh, how many people are, li are living there? What? Tell me about where that is and where it's going. Sure. Well, like we're saying, it opened in 2018, and and that was a major change for us. Um, you know, being historically a commuter, drive to campus, and and go back to home and work and life. And so um, it opened in 2018. When I came in in fall of 19, there were 33 residents, and then we all had to go to virtual. Right. And, and so we're, we're steadily rebuilding that. Um, right now we have 36 residents. Um, we'd like to build that up to 115, which is uh, max occupancy. That's another thing to double the TOPS initiative. I think will incentivize students to uh, look to Holy Cross to do, um, you know, get out of the house, even though you may be close, um, you know, get out of the house and, and, and live on campus. And you're, you're still close to your family if you're from the greater New Orleans area. And, uh, at the same time, we understand that there's an opportunity to partner with other organizations too. Um, having that that availability of other rooms means that we can have more school events and retreats and overnight stays as well. So we're, we're definitely building upon that that combination of our students living there and that growing, um, incentivizing these other students, new students coming in and follow 2022, and and using the uh, facilities for multiple purposes, just like any organization would. Absolutely. I, I wanted to ask, how are you able to 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 match the, the TOPS funds? I mean, where are the funds coming from? The, the institution is supporting it. Um, so, so basically what it means is that we're absorbing the cost and I have to make sure that a certain number of students, in this case, 26 have to accept, which is a small number. Um, you know, 26 students have to accept the scholarship and we're already at 24. And so we're, we're, that, that covers then the, um, the absorption of the cost by the university. Oh, I see. It's, it's like almost like a numbers game. You have to have enough people to make it make sense. Exactly right. Oh, understood. Okay. All right. Well, let me ask you about the rankings. I know that uh, uh, I've been seeing press releases come across my desk over the last two years that the rankings have been, been going up. Talk to me about that. What are you proud of? Um, where, where do you see where do you see the numbers going and uh, for various programs over the over the coming years? Well, thank you. I appreciate that, Rich. And and you know one of the things that uh, again knowing Holy Cross, but also um, knowing small institutions usually um, just submit the bare minimum to to the rankings and that's that really is a disservice to education and a disservice to families different disservice to people looking for the best fit and so i committed our team to make sure we submitted the complete picture all all the requirements and all the data sets um, to tell the true story of holy cross and and what it really did is catapulted us i mean by just submitting our data completely which I know in small organizations is, is tough to take the time to do, but it's necessary to, to really show uh, to the external community the importance of what we do and why it may be a good fit for their interest, whether enrolling or partnering with us from the business community. But, um, we, we did shoot up and we, and we, we told the story of Holy Cross and, and to shoot for up from 99 to 62 just by submitting everything completely. Um, we don't have, you know, tens of people in a department submitting numbers each day to rankings agency, right. um, but, but we made sure we did it. And, and, um, and that resulted in not only that increase, but also, of course, a national recognition in nursing. Um, number 16, best value school of regional universities in the South, um, right here from the West Bank. Nice. You know, I mean, you know, and then, of course, the Newsweek ranking and U.S. news recognition and for top uh, university um, ranking for diversity in the South. Well, it's a good lesson to complete your work. 
Yes. Absolutely. Fill everything out completely. Uh, <laughs> That's right. How is that data gathered? Do all these different ranking organizations have, uh, do they send you emails and it links you to some kind of a database and you have to sit there and painstakingly fill it all out just like a student would fill out a financial aid form or something? Yes, but here's what, what is the backstory behind that. So we all, for our, our Department of Education requirements, have to submit what's called the Integrated Post-Secondary Educational Data System. All right. That's the bare minimum. And, and school, small schools like us, that of course, we do that. We do that. Right. And then U.S. News and Newsweek will pull from that data. And because and, 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 it's public, of course, and, and, and the U.S. Department of Education in Washington. And that's what they use as the baseline to submit the data. Gotcha. And, and then they'll send that email to everybody. Right. And a large mega university has somebody designated to do exactly that for Princeton, for U.S. News, for Newsweek, for everybody. We don't. You know, so right. so what happens is the small schools, the small schools to say, oh, well, we have our iPads data out there. You know, th there we go. That's fine. Well, it's not fine. It, you know, we, we had to find the opportunity to really designate. I mean, I pulled somebody off of something else, you know, person who does some a million other jobs to make sure that we can be in, in our, our proper recognition in the system. Well, yeah, it sounds like it was time well spent. Um, Okay, other, other exciting things happening. This is a, a fun one and it's timely. Uh, tell me about Winterfest. Yes. <laughs> this Friday, December 10th, oh, 2 wow. to 8 p.m. Um, at the University of Holy Cross, we're going to have a lot of great things happening for Winterfest. <laughs> and the public is invited. Everyone's invited. We have um, admission is free. Um, there are charges for the different activities, including an ice skating rink. We will have an ice skating rink right here on the West Bank and, and it's for everybody in Greater New Orleans. Um, this idea came from our students, um, our students. We normally pre-COVID had a Christmas party that they paid for through their student activity fee. And they said, can we have an ice skating rink? And I said, yes. And let's invite the community too. And, and, and so this is open to everyone. It's $10 for 30 minutes of ice skating um, to date. And we're going to have a lot of other activities too. You can rent the skates there. Yes, absolutely. And, also, we're going to have Santa Claus. Um, our food science program is going to be doing s'mores and creamy hot chocolate. We're going to have rock climbing, bouncy houses for the kids. It's outdoor, indoor. We have uh, Christmas lights and everything, a full display. Uh, we have music, of course, throughout. Uh, you're, you're going to love it. I, I sure hope you could join us, Rich. Nice. Uh, yeah, now you sound like a concert promoter. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound fun, though. I mean, the chance to ice skate in New Orleans is, uh, is few and far between. Okay, I'm glad you mentioned food science programs. I've, I've just got two questions for you left. And what, one is about that. I, I was doing a separate story about um, several of these food startups uh, and they were involved in a group called the New Orleans Food and Beverage Coalition, New Orleans Food and Beverage. Uh, they mentioned though that uh, a big part of the ecosystem is, is this food science program that you guys have. Uh, what's the goal? What's happening over there? And, and where do you see the, the benefits to the economy? Yeah, we um, we started this program about, oh, gosh, maybe five to seven years ago. It was during my predecessor's administration. And uh, and what we did, we did have tremendous support from the business community, of course, in the cultural economy and food economy here. Um, many small to medium sized businesses in that space in Greater New Orleans. We partnered with and continue to expand and diversify those partners. We also had support and still do to this day from the Brown Foundation. And um, and as we know, we have a lot of companies here 
that are looking to do product development and, and to do um, mass product distribution of, of food. And, and we've done, of course, we have many who've done it for a long time um, and we partner with them, but we also partner with, with smaller businesses that are a little bit younger, a lot younger, brand new, and, and making sure their products are, are the best they could be, not just for food and drug administration compliance, but also to be most marketable. And, and that's definitely what we do. And um, we, we have aspects that we actually have in our master's degree program in, in management of food business track. So it's the food science, the colonology, and the food business side of things that we have. We're the only program in the great New Orleans that, that does that. And, and we have everything from um, the test kitchens and so forth to beverage lab um, that, that works on the beverage side. Um, and we, we partner with coffee to beer companies to, we, we actually make our own wine, Chateau Moreau. <laughs> so, Chateau Moreau sounds good. Yeah. What, what's it pair well with? Uh, uh, well, just about anything, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say it'd, be, it'd go great with a steak. Absolutely. There you go. And did you say you were collaborating with Urban South as, as one of the folks? We are. We yeah. are. And, and we do with a variety of beverage companies in the area. Um, you know, the, we're the only program in, um, in the greater New Orleans area. There is a program at LSU in Baton Rouge, but uh, you'll find a lot of New Orleans-based businesses do partner with us for food science. Gotcha. Well, wonderful. It's, it's, it's excellent uh, addition to that ecosystem to help uh, us as people are trying to get started, because there, there you do there's a there's a lot involved in trying to get a consumer packaged good business off the ground. Um, I have one last question for you. It's the same question I ask everybody in these conversations, and that is as we come out of this another busy storm season and this pandemic that more or less uh, silenced our tourism industry. What makes you worried about the um, New Orleans economy and what makes you feel optimistic about our uh, outlook? Sure. Um, no, I appreciate that question. And thanks again for having me on, Rich. Um, grateful to you and Biz New Orleans. And, and one of the things that I, I think we have, regardless of the pandemic or the hurricane, and this is true in, in many organizations or just in, in, in humanity and people's lives, is we only look at things through the lens of our own lived experiences. And I, and I would caution against that. If we look at that from, from the weakness side of things, this city is 300 plus years old. It's been through a share of pandemics and hurricanes. Right. And, and, and we, we can definitely move beyond this. Um, the weakness is if we don't recognize and learn from it. Um, if we go back to, and I've seen this in my sector in higher education, I've seen on president's listservs, you know, well, we're, we're gonna go back to follow 19. We're making the decision to do that and so forth. I think that's a tremendous mistake. Um, I, I, I think that, again, optimizing disruption rather than you know, caving inward from it. Yes, um, we definitely have areas we need to address, like recovering the tourism sector and, and diversifying our economy and making sure we have an investment of capital in greater New Orleans, as we're seeing in other ecosystems, like in Austin, for example. And, and so my, my caution is that we, we um, make sure that we don't just say we've moved on from the pandemic but what we're learning from the pandemic and the hurricanes and what we're doing based upon those learned experiences together. Um, the, other, the other thing is being optimistic and, and linking to it. I, I do believe that um, we do have great examples of that. Um, I, I was at the JEDCO luncheon last week and, and, and listening to the business leaders there from the ports to the banking sector to Geno Inc. And, and others, you know, it's, it's something where, yes, we've all had to experience challenges, but we also recognize that the traditional strengths of the business community of the economy of Great New Orleans are still there. 
Um, we still have plans, many of them underway to, to strategically optimize them for the decades ahead. But um, let's not just focus on the next one to two years. We've got to focus on the next five to 10. Um, this economy has unfortunately been trying to play catch up since the 1980s. And, and, and we have to, we must, this is the moment. Let's not use the pandemic and the hurricane as an excuse, but rather as leverage, again, optimizing disruption to strategically catapult us forward. Inspiring words. Dr. Stanton McNeely, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you so much, Rich. Appreciate you having me. Absolutely. And also good luck with Winterfest. Thanks. Hope to see you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Biz Talks. If you like what you hear each week, don't forget to rate us and leave a comment wherever you listen to your podcasts. And follow us on social media at Biz New Orleans. For more information or to contact us, please visit bizneworleans.com slash biztalks.